what a, what a great opportunity to, to worship God together to start off a new year. Uh, so good morning again. Uh, welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. My name's Andy. A special welcome uh, to those of you who are newer or, or visiting today. We are kicking off a brand new year with a brand new message series called uh, The Worst Things Jesus Never Said. And we're going to kick it off by playing a little game. So let's roll it. I think we've got some, uh, uh, the game is called Who Said It, Jesus or Oprah? Okay, so I need some hands raised uh, when you think uh, Jesus said it. I'll say Jesus said it, or, and then you raise your hand, or you raise your hand if you think Oprah said it. So here's the first one. Don't, don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Jesus say it? Oprah? Oprah, you think? Okay, let's see. Ooh, Jesus, that hurts. Matthew 7.20. All right, now uh, I want everybody to raise a hand on one or the other. Everybody's playing this game. Okay, here's the next one. Tithe in kind where your spirit is fed. Is that Jesus? Oprah? Oh, no, you got to raise your hands. It's either Jesus or Oprah. Who said it? Oprah said this one. All right, 0 for 2, some of you. Uh, <laughs> let your light shine. Let's look at the next one. Let your light shine, shine within you so that it can shine on someone else. Let your light shine. Jesus. Okay. Sounds like something Jesus would say. Oprah. Oprah. All right. Sounds like something Oprah would say. Who said it? Oprah. Okay. Who's 0 for 3? Anybody willing to admit it? All right. <laughs> okay. The next one. What you give comes back to you. Jesus, Oprah. Okay, this is this has got to be Oprah. That's karma right there. That's Oprah. All right, there's Oprah. She said it. All right, two more. Over fours. You have two chances left to get one. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. The critic. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Jesus. That means it's got to be Jesus, right? Nobody said it. Oprah? Oprah? Everybody thinks it's Oprah. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Number six, the final one. Be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. Jesus? Last chance, folks. Oprah. Oprah. All right. Oprah, some of you got one on the last try. Good for you. Well, if, if any of you feel like particularly frustrated uh, after, after that, uh, please know that the quotes from Jesus are actually paraphrases from the message, the message paraphrase of the Bible, which coincidentally is on sale on your way out. Uh, not a parting gift, uh, but... <laughs> But it's the message paraphrase. The, uh, the, the quotes from Oprah are directly from the Oprah Bible. But, uh, but the point of this entire message series is simple. If, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and I recognize um, uh, some of you, uh, you may not be at the point where you really consider yourself yet a follower of Jesus. And, and if that's the case, you're just kind of checking things out. I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, that, that, that matters. Uh, I, I hope uh, really through today and through our message series that you'll get a clearer picture of who Jesus is. I, I really believe that when you get a clear picture of who Jesus is, 
that, that you'll want him. You really will want who Jesus is. But, um, but we're really glad that you're here. Uh, but for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we, we're his witnesses, right? We, we've experienced his love and, and his grace in our lives. And, and our actions and our words testify to who Jesus is to the world uh, around us. Uh, what we say and what we do paints a certain picture of God to those that we encounter in, in our everyday lives. And the sad reality is, oftentimes the picture that we paint with our words, at least, uh, is inaccurate. When people know that you're a Christ follower, what you say about God carries some weight. It, it, it does. And yet I found that there are many times that there are things that Christians will say, uh, just even like a, a harmless Christian cliche, uh, shared with well-meaning hearts and intentions, can sometimes misrepresent Jesus' teachings about who God is. And, and then what that does is it, it can like leave people really hurt. And it can push people away from the church, and even more tragic, away from a relationship with Jesus himself, which is what we want when we are his witnesses. Uh, we want people to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, now, before we jump in, if you've ever believed or said one of the three statements that we're going to tackle over the next three weeks, uh, if you've ever believed it or said it, I just want to let you know this is a judgment-free zone. Uh, you're, I'm not here to judge you. That is not my role. Instead, I'm here to do my very best to paint as accurate a picture uh, that I possibly can of the heart of God and of Jesus from the scriptures. That, that's, that's my role, is just to paint that picture, not to judge. Uh, so, so I'm going to uh, have to pick apart some of those common misconceptions and false statements that, that are oftentimes attributed to Jesus, that sometimes we attribute to Jesus. Uh, so, so I just really encourage you to wrestle with the teachings of, of Jesus and, and the scriptures and wrestle with them. Talk about them with your family after you leave here. Talk about them with your journey groups. Uh, talk about these sayings so that you can live your life as a truer witness of the one that you profess to follow. That's, that's really our hope and our goal over these next few weeks. Uh, but let's jump in today with, with today's worst thing that Jesus never said. This cliche is oftentimes shared by a very well-meaning Christian when trying to comfort a friend or a loved one, somebody that you know who is facing tremendous difficulties. Uh, maybe that person is uh, going through a difficult divorce or, or they're Life is crazy at home as they try to balance work and raising a family. Maybe, maybe the person that this is shared with is going through a health crisis, uh, or their home was just destroyed by fire. May, maybe you've gone through some trial or tribulation in your life, and if you have, likely at some point someone has shared this uh, encouraging at least attempt at encouragement, uh, this statement that God will never give you more than you can handle. A while back on social media, I threw this out there. Uh, I simply asked, has anyone ever told you 
that God will never give you more than you can handle. And, and how did that make you feel? Did it make you feel better or, or worse when they shared it? And dozens and dozens of people replied, many of them sharing very deeply personal experiences. And, and there were really kind of two basic responses. I kind of put them in two different camps. On the one hand, some people who were going through a difficult time who had someone say to them, God will never give you more than you can handle, felt very encouraged. Some people shared that it helped them see things from a positive perspective when they were approaching things with a very negative attitude and it changed their attitude about facing the situation that they were going through. Uh, others felt it was encouraging because it gave them the confidence to, to say, uh, I can face this. Others, uh, for some, it was akin to an inspirational pep talk uh, that either someone else gave them or they, in turn, gave to themselves. I can do this. God only trusts the biggest battles to his strongest soldiers. He, he will never give me more than I can handle. This is a real popular theme in our culture today, isn't it? I, mean, I find that, in particular, guys really love this. Uh, it's, it is just, it is the theme of guy movies, like the gladiator. Like I, I, whenever it's on, I will just watch it. <laughs> I can handle whatever's thrown at me. Braveheart, freedom, right? Everything. It is, this is the theme, the Hunger Games, you name it. A couple years ago, uh, I watched the movie Unbroken, true story, World War II, amazing story. Um, and and I, I had read the book and I watched the movie. And in the, in the movie, at least, this wasn't in the book, but in the movie, there was this quote that kept happening uh, that they said, if, if you can take it, you can make it. That was just repeated throughout the movie. And just to be clear, Jesus, Jesus never said that either. Uh, but, but yes, uh, some received that statement as encouragement. But, but for many others, uh, in the midst of suffering, when they were told, God will never give you more than you can handle, it didn't serve as inspiration in the least. Uh, in fact, it did just the opposite. Here, here are some just quotes from what people shared with me about uh, when this was shared with them and how it made them feel. Someone said, made me feel like my faith wasn't strong enough to keep me from feeling overwhelmed. It made me feel angry at God. I wanted to scream at the people who said this to me. Yeah, tell me that when you're bald, going through chemo and having a roadmap of scars on your body. Was God trying my strength by taking my mom? Seriously? Maybe my favorite comment, uh, forgive the language, the person said, I wanted to slug them. I mean, seriously, screw you, was my first thought. Now, and the person then said, now I'm getting worked up just thinking about it all again. Well, one person said, who actually said he agreed with the statement, followed it up with, sometimes I wish God wouldn't trust me with so much. Another said, I always felt that God was seeing a little more strength in me than was actually there. Now, you're smart folks. You've probably put it all together by now that Jesus never said anything like God will never give you more than you can handle. Why else would it make our list? Um, so where in the world did we get this from? Well, in all likelihood, uh, this became a common encouragement that Christians share because of one particular verse in the Bible, specifically in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. Um, one group in this letter that Paul, who was an, uh, an early devoted follower of Jesus, um, after a radical conversion himself, uh, one group that he continually addressed 
in this letter was a group of so-called strong Christians. who they, they felt they were particularly strong in their faith and were able to handle things that less mature Christians they just weren't able to handle. Uh, things like the, the hot topic of their day, whether or not it was okay to eat food sacrificed to idols. These strong Christians felt like they could do it without it uh, affecting their heart for God. And, and uh, another thing they thought that they were particularly strong at that weaker Christians, uh, less mature Christians couldn't do was, was uh, face temptation. They felt they could face more temptations. They could dabble a little bit more because they wouldn't get sucked in. And to these folks, Paul said many, many things, including these two verses, verses 12 and 13 in chapter 10. After he warned them of the, the many, many ways that their ancestors Israel, who thought they were strong and yet failed God, Paul wrote this. He said, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, this is somewhat familiar, maybe a little bit close to that God will never give you more than you can handle. But, but Paul follows this up uh, by telling them to resist the temptation to eat the food sacrificed to false gods. He said it's not spiritually healthy for you to do so. Now, a few things we can learn from this passage. I think first, Paul is specifically speaking about temptations here. He's not talking about particular trials or, or suffering uh, that happened to us. He, he's speaking about temptations. And when he's speaking about temptations, Paul says that, that we all face them and that we all have the potential of succumbing to those temptations. Tem temptation seduces. It, it, it attracts. It draws us into things that are not spiritually, physically, or emotionally healthy for us. And when we give in to that temptation, when we do succumb, that's sin. That's, that is not God's will for our lives. But secondly, we learn from Paul that, that God is faithful. In the midst of all this, God is faithful. He loves us. And by his grace, he will always provide a way out of the temptation. By his Holy Spirit, we can say no, and we do not have to give in to the temptations that come our way. Now, now Paul doesn't say this, but I'm, I'm kind of extrapolating from what he's saying. Uh, oftentimes, when we do say no to the temptations in our lives, uh, sometimes we, we actually invite suffering and trials into our lives. Uh, we could be rejected by those around us. We we could lose our job. We could be ostracized. We could be made fun of. We, we, we could suffer financially because we're wanting to be honest and do things with integrity. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes we, inv we bring on suffering and trials because we're following Jesus against the grain of, of the wave of the culture that's going in a different direction. And when we stand up to that, sometimes that brings suffering. Sometimes that brings trials. But even in the midst of that, uh, in that sense, God says you can endure it. Now, not because you are faithful and strong, but because he is faithful. So, so this passage isn't speaking directly about suffering and trials. And even if we stretch it a bit like I just did, it's only related to suffering or trials that come about because we specifically resist temptation. 
uh, when, when what this passage is, is saying most, most directly within its context is that God will never allow a Christian to be tempted beyond, to the degree that God's grace, uh, by God's grace, he or she cannot resist that temptation or find a way of escape out of that troubling situation. Um, it's both an encouragement and a warning, right? It's an encouragement that, that God provides us a way out, that he's with us, and uh, he doesn't want us to fall into sin. It's also a warning. It's a warning because we don't have any excuses anymore. God has given us everything we need to resist temptations in our lives. Uh, Whether we resist those temptations or not, ultimately then, is our choice to be obedient to God's spirit in our lives or to say, I'm going my own way, God. Now, uh, I would say that is a proper interpretation of this passage uh, I mean, we could, we could debate that, but I think this is the, the truest, most direct interpretation of this scripture passage. And in light of that interpretation, what can we say about this phrase that some of us believe and have just have thrown out there as encouragement to others, that God will never give us more than we can handle? I want to pick this phrase apart just a little bit. First, this saying implies that it's God who is giving you the trial or suffering, isn't it? Doesn't it? God will never give you more than you can handle. Now, I'm not going to argue uh, whether God actually causes the suffering or the temptation or, or if God merely allows it to happen. Uh, the, the passage that we just read simply says that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond where his grace won't empower you to resist. It isn't clear whether God is the one giving the temptation as a test or, or if the temptation is coming from elsewhere. It's, the, the scripture passage isn't clear about that. Now, now personally, uh, I've wrestled with the scriptures for many years now and have often wondered, okay, is this, does God allow or is God causing uh, these temptations and trials and suffering that, that come into our lives. And, and, and this is kind of what I've come down to after wrestling with the scriptures. I, I believe that, that there are, scripturally speaking, there are times when God is the cause of a trial or a test of faith. There are times. Uh, if I said there weren't, then, then I, I would be kind of going against some of the, the scriptures Uh, in the Bible themselves. But I do believe that most of the time, our suffering or our trials or tests or temptations, that they don't come from God directly, uh, but from the enemy of our soul or or merely from the natural consequences of our broken world that is dominated by sinful people's free will. But it's never safe to presume that God is the source of our suffering or our trials. It's not safe to assume that that's what's going on, let alone presume that God is the source of somebody else's suffering or trials. That's dangerous territory to walk on. And when you make a statement like, God will never give you more than you can handle, you are presuming just that. You're saying to this person or to yourself, God is the one who's doing this to you. That is an inaccurate, it paints an inaccurate and dangerous picture of who God is. So one side of this saying paints a biblically inaccurate picture of God. 
And I believe the other side of the saying paints a biblically inaccurate picture of who we are. God never gives you more than you can handle. But I would tend to believe that our experience tells us just the opposite. That there are times when what it is that we're facing is way more than we can handle. That's a good place to say amen, right? That's the one I built in. Uh, agreement. It's amen. That means agreement. Yes. Go, come on, pastor. Uh, okay, good. You get this. Uh, and it's when you're in those times and the way that you respond to them says a lot about who you believe God is and what you believe about yourself. One possible response is to do the, the unbroken thing. If I can take it, I can make it. And, and you stand up against the suffering and you, you just grit your teeth and you fight back. And, and you vow inside that this trial will not break me. Now, just to be clear, I do this. <laughs> I do this a lot. I, I think uh, there's just something in me to fight back, to, to be, uh, the, see myself as the underdog and to say, I'm going to stand up to this and, and there's nothing that's going to drag me down. Um, uh, no, don't, don't sing the song. <laughs> but, but just to be, uh, you know, that's, that's me. But here's the danger with that response. If you succeed in overcoming your suffering, it could easily lead you to believe that, that, that you're so strong that, that you can do anything. In my, my social media uh, inquiry, one person responded, hey, if I can handle it, why do I need God? And that's the danger. The focus is on your own strength. It's on yourself. You overcame. You beat the odds. You stood up to the bully. You get the credit and the glory. But on the flip side, and this is just as dangerous. On the flip side, if despite your best efforts and all the fight within you, you fail, you fall short, what happens then? Well, what if the suffering gets the best of you? Well, what, what if you have to step back from your responsibilities because it is too much and your life is unraveling before you? Well, what if the pressure is too much and you suffer a mental breakdown? What, well, what if you lose your battle with cancer or with depression? What then? If you've stood up to those under your own strength thinking that you can do it and you, if you fight hard enough and you believe if I can take it, then I can make it, and, and then you don't make it, that can leave you just utterly devastated. You will likely doubt yourself and you will likely doubt God because, hey, God will never give me more than I can handle. And obviously, I can't handle this. But maybe, maybe, maybe you don't start off fighting like my natural response. Maybe the other common response to overwhelming suffering and trials is not to fight, is to just give up, to, uh, to give in. You let your grief and your pain and your confusion dominate you and and consume you, and as a result, your life falls apart, and everything just feels hopeless. Uh, oftentimes, this will leave a person angry at God because of the presumption that God brought it all on, and, and angry at yourself because you're weak. And I found that, that many times, we respond both ways, don't we? First, we start off and we fight, 
And we're, we're, we say we're strong, we stand up to it. And then when we realize our fight isn't enough, we fail and then we give up and we're angry at ourselves for being weak and then we're angry at God because supposedly God's the one who brought all this on. But let me suggest that there's a better way. There's a better way to respond to trials and suffering. So I just wanna outline an alternative way to respond that uh, when, when you sh- face what we will all surely face in this life, Three simple steps to understand, but really difficult steps to follow in the midst of trial and suffering. And these are outlined in your message notes, so you can take them home with you and reflect on them later. But the first one is to just, number one, to up front, admit, admit that you cannot handle this. There are plenty of times when you're at the end of your rope and you need help. Despite your best efforts, you cannot face every challenge that comes before you. They're too much. This is the reason, friends, this is the reason why this is step number one in most addiction recovery programs. Admit, we've all got to live in step one every single day. The most importantly, uh, and most importantly, when we're facing trials and suffering, admit that you cannot handle this on your own. Secondly, though, uh, trust in God's grace to see you through. Not your own strength, trusting God's grace, not your own strength to see you through. You may be powerless to face your sufferings, but guess what? God isn't. God is not powerless. God is not only with you in your sufferings, but he invites you to trust him in the midst of your sufferings. Jesus never said, God will never give you more than you can handle. But he did say, come to me, all of you who are broken hearted, weary and broken hearted, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You know, trusting God's grace to see you through means, means fighting with God's strength. It means giving him all the glory for any victories that you see and experience. And it means resting in his comforting arms when the trials seem to overtake you. It means following even to the very end because God is faithful and even death cannot separate you from his love. Consequently, the psalm that we sang right before this message. But finally, if you've admitted you cannot handle this trial and you've trusted in God's grace to see you through rather than your own strength, the last step is to lean into community. Yeah, I could spend an entire message series just on this one alone, but suffice it to say the church, the church is the body of Christ. And when you are suffering, your brothers and sisters in Christ are the the physical manifestation of Jesus to you. Lean into them. Ask for what you need. Receive what is offered. And if you are the body of Christ there to encourage and support someone who is suffering, please, please do not tell them that God will never give them more than they can handle. Because the truth is, God does give us more than we can handle. I'm not talking about sufferings and trials. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about how God overwhelms us with his presence. How God overwhelms us with his grace and his mercy and his love, which is, the Bible says, too great even to comprehend. It is nothing short of overwhelming when we grasp even just a glimpse of how deep and how wide God's love is for us in the midst of 
of our sufferings, even in the midst of the sufferings that we bring on ourselves because of our own poor choices and the sin in our lives. Jesus was willing to endure suffering that he did not deserve in order to give us hope for whatever sufferings and trials we are facing in this life. And in a moment, we're going to be remembering that and celebrating that as we share in Holy Communion together. But, but hold on to this. There are times, there will be times in your life when, when life just throws at you more than you can handle. If it hasn't happened yet, it will happen. And if you're willing to admit your brokenness and your desperate need for God, then Jesus will meet you right in the middle right in the midst of the pain. And, and I tell you what, regardless of the outcome, uh, because let's face it too, I mean, we're, we're all gonna face some trials that we cannot handle on our own. Uh, and we're all gonna face death for the people that we love and ourselves. Now, we, we can't overcome that by our own strength. And when we face those things, please know that God's overwhelming grace will see you through.